What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Welcome back, All The Smoke. We got a good one today, man. My former teammate, our brother, uh, just a good all-around human being. Real one. You don't find too many of the good around, all-around human beings. Man, welcome to the show, Karan Butler. What's Thanks up, bro? Me, Tug Juice. Appreciate, Appreciate you, bro. You're here looking clean. Hey, man, I'm Woo. corporate thugging right corporate now. Corporate so thugging, I like it. <laughs> corporate thugging. Just wrapped uh, season two as the Miami Heat. Uh, assistant coach, being able to kind of make a full circle. That's where you started your career at. Now you're back there coaching. How's that experience been? You know what? It's It's been amazing because I think that, you know, coaching is a selfless sport. And um, obviously it's a selfless act as well. So just being able to pour back into some of these brothers and, you know, give them that wealth of insight and information that's needed. You know what I mean? Like in the course of the season, it's been therapeutic for me. And then also just 
you know, knowing that they definitely needed in the course of the season to like just amplify whatever talents that they have mm-hmm. for who they are. So it's been a blessing. I think guys like you are in great positions because something that Jack and I always talk about on the show is the lack of vets in the locker room. And you remember when we all came in the league, there was 36, 37, 38-year-old dudes that was just there. Whether they played or not, they contributed in major ways. I mean, obviously you guys have a super vet in UD, but how important do you feel like that is? I mean, although you're removed from actually playing, you're still in the locker room back on the coaching side, but how important do you feel like that is that the NBA is definitely lacking right now? Man, it's, it's, it's so important. Like having someone like UD, I just think like he's the the blueprint for you know all vets and how the organization and how a system should be ran from top to bottom. When you talk about having a cornerstone of a franchise still there that been through the wars, mm-hmm. been through the battles, uh, you know championship pedigree, and uh, still able to relate and connect in the locker room, still can throw them out there, play spot minutes, mm-hmm. and then also he's able to you know, just be that voice and that bridge between us and the coaching staff to the locker room. Right. I think more teams and organizations need to, you know, revisit that. I know a lot of teams don't want to give up that roster right. spot, but it's extremely important. Like the value of Udonis Haslam in that locker room is just, is priceless. You can see it. Yeah, 100%. It. Past season, Miami was number one. You know, y'all beat Philly. Y'all had some ups and downs. We didn't get to the uh, championship to get to the goal. Talk about this season and what, and what y'all got out of it? I mean, we, we got a, a lot out of the season, and I'll and I tell you why. Just because, obviously, we know that we was missing a lot of people. COVID season was prior to that. But this season, we had pretty much, if you want to look at it from a real basketball, like, head position, we had three dead roster spots at times, like guys that really wasn't in the rotation. Mm-hmm. We missed Jimmy for a significant uh, amount of games. We missed uh, Bam due to surgery. He was out mm-hmm. for, like, six to seven weeks, and then, Obviously, UD not being in the rotation, but still being a voice. So we still was able to manufacture the number one seed in the Eastern Conference in the course of being, you know, like edited so many players throughout the course of this mix, maxing so many uh, different lineups throughout the course of the season. But we found a way just to, you know, get quality wins and keep that momentum throughout the whole course of the season. Grind it out. Jimmy Butler, that shot. You know, who else going to shoot it? Which, what was your aspect? I mean, what was your, what were you thinking when he took that shot? That shit going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. right off top, yeah. I was like, you know, you got to live and die by, you know, your franchise guy. Got and to. Th- throughout the course of the season, um, Jimmy's done some things that people are like, oh, shit, like, why he do that? Uh, he, he's that dude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's good that come with that and there's some bad that come with that. I felt like that was the right shot because... I think it was like 17, 16.8 on the clock. They still had a timeout, so, you know, Al Horford is retreating, mm-hmm. and he's going at him. He probably would have fouled him. And I just felt like, you know what, he was like, shit, I'm going for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and all we got to do is get a kill on the opposite end. It's an SOB play. They're going to draw up, so just go for the win. Mm-hmm. And if he went, if he would have hit that shot, what the fuck we would have been saying? A whole different mm-hmm. ballgame. He that dude. Yeah. Right? And he's still that dude even though it didn't go in. Right. He'll be back right back at that shit next year. Right. He's a different kind of superstar, like almost a blue-collar superstar. Mm. Exactly what that, and he embodies uh, Miami Heat basketball. What, what makes him different? You've got a chance to play with superstars. You've been a star yourself. What makes Jimmy Butler different? Because I feel like he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He could be the leading scorer. He can get all the assists. He can get stops on defense. He can rebound. He makes winning plays. What makes him different since you've been with him day to day? I'm glad you said that because I think you nailed it. A lot of people, like, like myself, when I played, I was just like, shit, I'm, I got to get a bucket. <laughs> to have my true impact on the game, I got to get a bucket. I got to be a problem. I got to draw double teams, shit like that. 
Jimmy is just a winner. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he don't give a shit if he got seven points, but he's going to win this matchup, and obviously he's going to have his fingerprints on ultimately moving the needle for the quality win. So that's all he care about. I've played in, in locker rooms and on teams with dudes that really cared about their shit. Mm-hmm. The bottom line, like, getting their numbers, mm-hmm. but he just care about the dub. Uh-huh. Love it. Where do you think y'all need to improve? Well, right now with the loss of P.J., we have uh, Caleb Martin, who's going to try to fill that role. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he adds, you know, some more use, some athleticism. We'll see what happens. You know, one of the things that was glaring to me was when you look at the Boston Celtics and, you know, those, those two monsters and Brown and Tatum, mm-hmm. they posed a lot of issues. Yeah. And, you know, Jimmy was trying to will it. Um, he did a remarkable job at, you know, going up against the two, three best players uh-huh. in every series. But, you know, he, he kind of ran on fumes at the end. You know, mm-hmm. he had to score 40-plus points for us to, you know, even have a chance to get a quality win. And the other guys stepped up majorly. But, you know, Tyler, he's going to have to improve physicality of the game. He's going to have to get better, and he's working on that. You know, everybody's going to have to move the needle in their process yeah. uh, tremendously this summer. And everybody's out here grinding. Like, you know, they're probably doing the nightlife shit, but they also Getting grinding work and working on working. their craft. Mm-hmm. Talk about Spo. Um me and Matt know, we, you know, we both respect the shit out of Spo. He's one of the great, one of the best coaches to ever coach. And uh, he came up under Pat Riley. And, you know, I think Pop do a great job of bringing his, some uh, Hall of Fame coaches up under him too. And Spo, um, I, one thing I like about Spo, he didn't really go too far away from what Pat Riley taught him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, just give, just talk, talk to us about Spo because a lot of people don't talk about him much. And he don't talk much. And he don't give a shit. Yeah. Like if you're not talking about him, he just care about results. The same mm-hmm. as Jimmy. And I think that that's why the marriage between our organization, Spo being at the helm of it, and Jimmy with our franchise player is just like so perfect because they don't need all the accolades. They don't need the symbolic recognition. They just care about the end of result, getting wins, putting banners up. And um, we're trying to, you know, get one together with Jimmy as our head. But, you know, Spo, tell you a quick story about him. During the course of the pandemic, I was just doing like a lot of CNN shit, uh, sending over this edits on NBA TV about the game of basketball in the film room, chopping up the game. And I guess Spo had probably caught some of the stuff, and he was like, man, you need to seriously consider coming on the sideline and being a coach. I wrestled with the, the thought of it for about a week, and he hit me back, and he was like, I got a seat for you. Like, come over here, you know, join the culture. And wrestled with it again for a day, and I thought about what organization that get it right every time. Hmm. San Antonio, Miami Heat, and there's probably another one out there, but definitely the Miami Heat. And it's been a great experience. I've learned so much about preparation, about the schemes, and just, you know, really coaching every player because we're all different in a unique Uh way. And just really tapping in and moving the needle with every guy. There was a moment that went viral um, heading into the playoffs, and I remember I was out on ESPN when it all was going down. Um, when Jimmy got into it with Spo, and then UD kind of stepped in, and all the outside people looking in, oh, this is a problem, this is going to be an issue for this team. I looked at it on the flip side, like this shit happens all the time, and to me, I think you guys are going to get closer. And I said on TV, I think you guys are going to grow closer from it. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that kind of stuff that people don't, if you don't really know the game, you don't understand, but that kind of shit sometimes needed, and that's the kind of thing sometimes to bring you guys closer, and you guys went on a great run after all that shit happened. And you know what? Uh, shout out to you for speaking on that, because I remember, you know, I... 
I watched because I've been in the, the, the media space before and I was watching like, okay, what the fuck is the narrative going to be mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. us? Because mm-hmm. we know about us, but right. nobody else know about right. us and everybody else just assuming. And I remember keenly that, you know, you said exactly what you just said, like they're going to be connected. Uh, they're going to rally around this moment. And, you know, it's, you know, some real shit need to be said. It was uncomfortable mm-hmm. on the fly. You know, UD, you know, stepped up and, you know, we shit, we had it went went to dinner after that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was chill. It was just right. like one of those moments, like no love lost and nothing but love gained from that experience. There has to be a certain level of respect though, happened, and understanding yeah. like that, and in a culture like that, because like I said, that shit happens all the time. It's just not caught on camera. A lot Some, of times with teams though, when those moments don't happen, that's when the shit really worry. get yeah. You know, fragile, and that's yeah. when it's get fractured and stuff. That's so. the best moments. That's the realest you learn, moments. You learn from them. Um, switching gears, your childhood, born and raised, Racine, Wisconsin. Yeah. Talk to us about your upbringing and your struggle and just your perseverance to be able to, even though there's a bunch of crazy shit going on and some shit happening to you, being able to make your way through it. You know what? I was just intrigued by, like like a lot of young people, like just intrigued by all the wrong shit <laughs> that was going on out there. And I felt like I had to, you know, be involved in pretty much everything, like from, you know, hustling and carrying pistols to, you know, just being a, trying to mimic the men in my family or who I thought was my mentors, everybody ahead of me. And then, you know, from those experiences, like being incarcerated, I think it like this really humbled me, slowed me down. Obviously, it saved my life, but it slowed me down like a motherfucker because I had to really just look at life slower. Like, I was becoming a failure to the people that sacrificed the most for me, my mother and my grandmother. I already had a kid at the age of 13. So, you know, I was like, damn, like, her father a felon mm. already. And it's like, how do you process that shit? Hold on, I'm, so you had your first, I didn't mean to cut you off, you had your first child at 13? Yeah, I had my mm. first child at 13. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I grew up without a father, so I didn't want my habits to continue down right. that path. So I had to like really make a, a judgment decision where I already knew what the outcome of the path that I was leading was going to lead to. Mm-hmm. I was going to continue to get incarcerated. Somebody was going to blow my shit back or I was going to have to do something to somebody. So fast forward, I just said, you know, I'm going to just try this square straight and narrow shit. Like, I'm just going to try this lifestyle and see where it leads me. At what age did you start making that decision? About 15 and a half, 15, 16. Um, it was right after I got sentenced to two years mm-hmm. in corrections. I did 18 months. I got out. I was on papers. I clicked up with this uh, traveling team, George Bray Community Center. They were sponsored by Nike. They just got taking me around the world and just competing against some of the baddest dudes out there at the time, Quentin Richardson, Corey Maggette. Talk about a lot of this in the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just getting at it. You know what I mean? Like, my first tournament where I really got recognized was uh, the Peace Jam. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even supposed to be there. We're going to Junior Peace Jam next yeah. weekend. See what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. still going because mm-hmm. it's a major tournament, but I wasn't even supposed to be there because, one, I was on probation. Two, I had a bracelet, so, like, I had to... Manufacturer. You was the first one to play with the ankle monitor? So no, Cole, well, I'm Cole about wasn't? to tell you, I was not supposed to be there, so I took the bracelet off. <laughs> and I left the bracelet in the house. Mm. So they, they thought I still was, you know, in the region. And I went to a tournament, played in it, and I got on. Mm. So the headlines in the paper was like, you know, this kid has arrived. And my PO was like, you wasn't even supposed to be out the state. Mm. So that was the issue. Uh, did seven days for that. 
And then, like, my basketball story took off from that moment, though. Mm, 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 that's crazy. Was at that point you fully, you don't ever fully, but left the streets alone? Okay, this is my, this is what I'm going to do. Was it at that point right there? I was always, like, straddling the fence yep. still. Like, be honest. Like, we keeping it a buck. Like, I was still, you know, dipping and dabbing, but still, like, leaning more 80-20 towards the positive shit than, you know, being in the streets. But all my homies were still in the street. You know, all my homies were GDs. You know, we we hung together. We were still in the same neighborhoods. We still was flagging. It was what it was. But they saw something that they saw in me that they didn't see in themselves. They saw that I found my niche. Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity. So it was the first time that I seen something like this, like in my community, because, you know, we just got that crab in the barrel mentality. But they rallied around my gift. Hmm. They was like, you know, we're going to support you, King. Like, you about to mm, be one of the us one. that made it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Talk about <laughs> your experience at UConn, Jim Calhoun. I was shocked that I actually went there. Um, my Muslim mentor, by the brother by the name of uh, Jamil Aguari, I wanted to go to St. John's. And he was like, UConn is the best spot for you because they produce the most God wings at your position, and they know how to get you there. You know what I mean? So if you go through this system, uh, you're going to be better for it. And I didn't have that evaluation. I wasn't looking at it like that. I was just like, I'm going to New York. Like, if <laughs> I get a chance to get out of Wisconsin, you know, it's a lot of land, a lot of cows, a lot of cow tipping, a lot of, you know, milk, dairy products. I'm, I want to go to the big city if, mm -hmm. I can, can, if I can do it from the gift of my talents of playing the game of basketball. But it was the best decision I ever made because Calhoun really poured into me. And when he came into my household, sat down with my mother and my grandmother, you know, if anybody can be bought, you could be sold. When you talk about finances, when people come trying to buy you and sell you on universities, he didn't come with a bag. He came with just some information that was true. He said, if you commit to this university, you're going to be family forever. And he meant that. That's what sold me on the whole process. Instead of somebody coming to your living room saying, hey, we got 50000 or or 100000 mm -hmm. for you, which is dope because we needed it. We was broke. But... He talked to me about just the importance of like what he was going to pour into me, and I was going to be a man, a better man from that experience at UConn. Uh, what was it like having all that success at UConn, though? Like you got a lot of players that come up out of the Big East Player of the Year, lead the team in scoring, lead eight. It, it, it was dope because they made it easy for me. Like the the system was already in place. You know, it's it's kind of like the Zags, and I ain't promoting the Zaga, but they never rebuild they just reload mm -hmm. they find guys that like fit a certain prototype of what they're trying to do and mm -hmm. they just like plug and play plug and play guys. Yeah, yeah and that's the same thing with UConn it was like the perfect fit for me it's like dude like oh you like coming off screens oh, here you go you like the wheel action here you go you like ISO and there you go like and it enhanced me so much it also just helped me be a better person as far as like walking around the campus like going against the highs and lows and uh, being in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, away from your family, but being a part of such a diverse community. You know, like i never seen, you know, um, white and black people, like, in, 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 like, such a small, like, space, mm -hmm. like, interacting and clicking. Like, the south side of Racine was just, you know, predominantly black and brown folks. The, the north side was, you know, the upper echelon of white folks. So it was just like to see that type of integration uh, on a college campus, it, it was it was pretty dope.
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. 
Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So you stay for two years. Uh, you decide to make a jump. Uh, was that an easy decision? Or was it time you knew it was time to go? Did the coach tell you it was time to go? Or how'd that work out? The correct answer to say yes, I, I knew it was a, it was an easy decision for me to, to get out of there because I felt like I was better than everybody else. Not just on my team, but I felt the like country. just across the board. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I didn't know it was a motherfucker out there by the name of Yao Ming that was seven foot five or whatever that was just looming that was going to be the number one pick. But I just felt like looking at the lay of the land, watching ESPN, like I was like, oh, he the top five pick? I'm better than him. Mm-hmm. He number six, I'm better than him. So I was just like, it's my time to go. And it was an easy decision for me too, like financially, because if I'm going to be a lottery pick, I can provide for my family. I can create first generation riches and eventually turn into wealth. So it was an easy decision. So I remember you, so you go number 10, but you were emotional. Like you really felt like you should have went higher. And I think the, the, the emotion of just everything kind of poured out at once. Talk to us about when you actually were drafted. Yeah, so I was promised by three teams that I was going to go before the seventh pick. Before seven? Before seven. Obviously, it was a lie. So I'm sitting there Mm -hmm. at the table, and I'm like, damn, another one. And then the last promise, I was like, damn, again, another one. So then I was thinking, like, maybe it's the background check stuff and you know, people can't get jobs because they got felonies. Mine so, like, racing. when they do the background check with NBA stuff, who you hang with, what's this, where you come from, all that stuff, I'm like, maybe that is my Achilles heel on this whole process, and that's the reason why I'm not getting drafted. And they brought me here to be an example for that. Mm. And that's the way I'm thinking, my wavelength, how I'm thinking at the table. So um, I'll never forget Raymond Brothers, my agent, we go into the the bathroom in the back and we start talking Spike Lee walked through and he see us praying and he like even like joined the prayer for a minute and I was just like I can't remember the words of what he said but he just told me that you know it's all gonna pan out it's all gonna work at the end amen went back out sat at the table and um my name was called and I had an outpour of emotion because the the sacrifices that went into mm-hmm. getting to that point and then having the dream sitting at that table and then thinking it wasn't going to happen yeah. and then all of a sudden hearing your yeah. name, like reality, then going up there and shaking the commissioner hand, that shit was like, it was oh. real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First year, tough, 25 wins. Uh, first team all-rookie, came out the gates with 15-5. and five. The next year you draft D-Wade and trade for Lamar Odom. So you see you guys are trying to build something. What is your first impression on both of them? I always loved D-Wade because we played in the circuit together. Uh, the couple of AAU tournaments that I did go to that he was always at with the Illinois Warriors. And he always had like a big-ass brace on his leg. You know, he was always battling D-injuries and things like that, but he just had a... Uh, unique, like, hustle to him. He used to strap up defensively. He just had an edge. As far as, like, Lamar, I mean, he was always a household name for mm-hmm. all of us. You know, Lucky Lefty, he was coming down, like, most versatile big out there. The goods. Yeah, the goods. So, like, when he came to Miami and we was able to manufacture a deal and get him when the Clippers dropped the ball, we was like the young core. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, we're going to be dope for, like, ever. 
for years to come. And I'll never forget, like, with D-Wade, he didn't have a jump shot then. But Stan Van Gundy just said, you know what, I'm going to put him in a pick and roll and see what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's when he became Flash and mm -hmm. the rest is, you know, top mm -hmm. three, two guards ever. What was that experience like, though? Because, I mean, shit, Miami on top of that is a dope city. You guys got a nice young core. What is the vibe and the energy around the, uh, the, uh, the city but the organization like? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, it was, it was not a basketball city, not a basketball state. Still isn't, but it's getting there. It's all about football. It's always been about football. Um, but... I think the foundation, uh, the cornerstone of the organization, uh, Alonzo Morning started it. He started the momentum. You know, us going out there as youngsters, going to play in Zoe Summer Groove and stuff like that, it just kind of took a life of its own. But when you had someone like D. Wade, you know, uh, one of the top 25 players ever to play the game of basketball in the mix of, you know, his prime, I just think that, you know, basketball just took new life. And then now fast forward to, you know, 2010 and everything that happened with, you know, LeBron, Chris Bosh, and all those guys joining, it has become like just an environment for basketball. Like Miami is, you know, just crazy right now. They love the game of basketball. It got a, a, a nice pulse in the city. It's growing. You know, if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, it's the spot to be right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, everything. It's like all the major conventions are held there, so it's it's a dope spot to be. Mm -hmm. 2004, you was in a Shaq trade. Talk about Bean, being able to uh, link up with Bean. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, our brother. Like, uh, I, I'll never forget, like, coming back from Antigua. I was doing a basketball without borders camp or clinic for the Miami Heat and the stroller was going across. This is like when everybody used to watch ESPN around the clock type shit and I'm walking through the, the airport and they like Shaquille O'Neal coming to the Miami Heat. I was like, damn, we about to be like dope leaving the Miami Heat and my name, they had LeVar Dave. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's how this worked? Like, <laughs> I thought I was here forever. I just bought a crib. Like, I can't mm. sell my crib. I just bought it. Like, it was, it was just like all that emotional attachment. But um, that, was just, that was just a crazy experience, one, just to be a part of that whole process and then going to Los Angeles. And I'll never forget, Kobe signed a deal for 130 plus million dollars. I'm at the press conference, and it's actually a double press conference because they're introducing myself, Brian Grant, Lamar Odom to the city of Los Angeles, and then Kobe signing his deal. And I'll never forget, like, looking at that money. And then the first thing he turned to the right said to me was, get ready to fucking black out. Like, get ready to work out. Like, let's take that shit to another level. And I'm talking about the blackout sessions was crazy. Uh... The reason why I was an all-star player, the reason why I'm in the coaching space is because my time that I spent with Kobe Bryant. Mm. What was he like off the court? Basketball genius. All he talked about was the, the game. Uh, I started watching film with him on every plane trip, just analyzing, like, the rotations, the schemes, the double teams, where they was coming from. Uh, how to manipulate the defense. Um, I, learned the, I learned the whole bunch from uh, Bean. And also, too, you know, when you talk about life after basketball, he gave me like a jewel that stuck with me. Um, the roar of the crowd is not for you. It's for what you can do. And as soon as you can't do it, they'll be cheering for someone else. 
So like work on your second act mm. while you're in the midst of your first. Uh, I mean, he did other stuff. Obviously, he touched, you know, Jack and I in, in, in uh, you know, he, a really meaningful way. But I mean, he wrote the foreword for your book. Um, you know, came to your hometown, ate, broke bread with your family. And not a lot of people get to see that side of Kobe. You saw it. I was fortunate enough to see it. But tell us what that side of him is like when it's not the basketball talk subsides for 30, 45 minutes, yeah. an hour. What's that side of Kobe? Yeah, it's, it's, it's unique because, like, I saw him, like, literally put his guard down. Mm. Like, where it was like, I heard all this these things about him before I got there. Like, don't fuck with him. He he's stand he's selfish, he's this, he's that. And once I got there, he would the first thing I saw, he was just standing on business. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, like I fuck with that. Like he, all he doing is he's standing on his business. And then um I start like asking him stuff and he like, man, sit right here, like, let's talk. Like and he just became like so welcoming. I'll never forget we got to Milwaukee. And, you know, my family usually throw down when I come in town, like big block party, barbecue, everything. So I told Lamar, like, you want to come down, pull up? He's like, all right, cool. He's like, ask Cole. Everybody was laughing, like, him yeah, motherfucker ain't coming. Like, Cole, you want to come uh, eat some ribs and shit and just kick it? He's like, yeah, what, what time? I was like, laughing at them dudes. Like, see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. he, he came. the real ones. Yeah, he came, he sat down, he kicked it with everybody. Um... One of the most memorable moments of, you know, my life because the whole hood came out, the whole community. And he sat down, he ate with everybody, he just chopped it up, poured into him, gave him all life. That's just who he was. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's the side of Kobe a lot of people didn't get a chance to experience or see because he was always standing on business. But I think more of the stories came out, you know, after uh you know, he lost his life and mm -hmm. everybody just started speaking on it a little bit more. Standing, yeah. Um, 2005, traded to the Wizards. You joined forces with the one and only Agent Zero and Antoine Jameson. Uh, what was your first impression of that situation? Uh, you were obviously at the top of your game at that time uh, with two other high-power players. What was that situation like in Washington for you guys? Man, I was excited to go there because, one, I, I watched that playoff series. I was in Chicago, and I went to the game. Uh, Chicago playing the, the Wizards the year before mm -hmm. with Larry Hughes and you know, they had injuries, but it was a hell of a battle. Gilbert hit the huge game winner to get him out that, that round in that series. And I was just like, like that, I want to be on that squad. Mm. With Larry Hughes, though. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, I can be on that. And we was always talking about, like, small ball and shit like that, even in that era. And Larry Hughes left, and I was in negotiations with the Lakers, and they put out a number out there I wasn't comfortable with signing and. I was just trying to orchestrate a trade and get out of there, you know, and um, Washington was the, the the landing spot for me. Um, and I wanted to be there because I just knew that, you know, obviously Gilbert was a bucket and, you know, he was a superstar. And Antoine was, you know, a spacer and a star in his own right. And I was just like, I can really compliment those dudes That's if right. I go you here. In between this, the middle of both be, of them. Just be my shit, mm -hmm. just do my thing. First of all, how talented was Gilbert and what kind of work ethic did he have? Uh, he was one of the hardest workers. And I, I played with, obviously, we talked about Kobe. Um, I played with KD, played with Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. Obviously, we shared that experience. Uh, Giannis, list of all the superstars out there. Uh, Gilbert's probably number two on that list. Behind Kobe, Dirk, right? obviously. Yeah. But, yeah, he right top, top, top three. Like, top three hardest worker, 
dudes, like, you know, a little quirky, but he had some shit to him. But yeah, he burnt out. He was a he was a dog when it came to that that work and like he had like a four year stretch, maybe five, where nobody in the league wanted to see him coming. I mean, not no a, team, not a no organization wanted to see him. Not a soul. Now, counter that, what kind of character was he? Uh super playful. Mm-hmm. Super playful. Um had a lot of he, he, he didn't take anything serious. And yeah. you're the opposite. Yeah. You know was, when to have fun, but you're serious. You're about like mm-hmm. but you're about the business. Always. Yeah. yeah. And and then Antoine was like a the mediator. Okay. Like he was in the middle. <laughs> and then Gilbert was like, like I said, he was just a jokester all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still is. Uh you guys run into LeBron the first round, three years in a row. Uh guarding him at that time. Uh what was your strategy guarding? This is a young Brown really kind of coming to his own. This is when I knew LeBron was special. Um, this, this all happened in, in one play. We played him three years in a row in the playoff series, but this is when I knew he was special. We tried to go under on pick and rolls. That didn't work. We tried to go over, try to bully over. We tried to shoot the gaps. Uh, we tried to stay connected. We tried to meet him in transition. <laughs> tried everything. We tried to weak him. <laughs> um, strong though. We, we, we blitzed him. Uh, we tried to red, send the double team, late blacks. We showed him literally every coverage in the playoff series, and he dissected it. Mm. And I was just like, he different. That's when I knew. I was like, Dog, as long as he stayed, you know, available and durable, like he's going to probably shatter just about every record. And our main thing was just, even when we went to Dallas, even when we went to other teams, it was just like, Let's try to win before he figure it out. Because <laughs> it's coming. Because it's coming. Because he's too. He's just a basketball mind. He's, he's brilliant. So let's try to win as many as we can, or however way we can manufacture to win one before he figure it out. So you saw, obviously, the world saw the growth coming, but you getting a chance because you know when the light, the season's great, but when the lights come on in the playoffs, it's a little bit different. You saw that three years in a row. How much from the first time you played him, and I'm sure he was great then, to the last time you played him in the playoffs in that three-year span, had he improved? You know what? It, it, it got, his jump shot got better. Uh, his reads got quicker. Uh, he was like he was very intentional on exactly what he wanted to do on the basketball court. Whereas before he was just playing, he was just like steam rolling over people. But at the at the end, it was just like he was just playing a game. He knew exactly how he was going to beat you. First quarter, I'm going to play with you like this. Second quarter, all right, I'm going to score a little bit. Now y'all going to have a different coverage. Now I'm going to get, you know, to J.R. Smith. I'm going to set the whole stage. And then at the end, I'll just use my star power to get to the line, get y'all in the bonus quick, and win the game. So, like, he had a strategy just right. like going – he was just checking all the boxes every game. All right, this is how I'm going to beat y'all this game. And it was just like, damn, like, dude's just different. Mm. Yeah, mm. brain speed. Right. I mean, obviously, he was great, but you was in your bag in 2007, 2008. You were uh, an all-star. What was that experience in that run for you like personally? Yeah, it, w- it was dope because I think as as players, uh, obviously, we, we have a, a checkbox of our own. Like, when we come into the league, one, you know, whether people like it or not, you want to be a household name. You want to be respected by your peers. You want to get the bag. You want to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. You want to get a chip. And you want to get the like get the hell out. That's like that's the checklist that you know all of us have um, as players, as competitive players. And you know I was able to check one of those things. You know check one of those boxes by making an all-star team. And you know my best year was you know pretty 
pretty much, even though I was an isolation player, it came from being with great teammates. Mm -hmm. Like, Gilbert made sure I was successful. Antoine made sure I was successful. I played in the Princeton offense, you know, getting 21 a game that that's season. Not so easy. That's that. not easy. Like, <laughs> the ball, yeah, no. like, the ball finds energy, uh -huh. and it, it found me. You know what I mean? So it was, it was like a dope experience. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 
Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Good running uh, in, in D.C. You hit Dallas for a year. What was it like playing with Dirk? One of the best shooting bigs ever, if not the best. The best. Yeah, and I, I think people don't give him enough credit. Just like when you talk about international players, immediately you talk about Olajuwon, uh, MVPs, all that stuff. But, you know, Dirk was no joke. I mean, I think the one blemish, but it was because y'all was so great with the We Believe team. Like, people always go back to like, well, you know, he didn't show up. That was the MVP season. They were supposed Sorry, to do Dirk. this. But y'all was nice, nice as hell, and y'all just you had a, a team full of dogs. But his legacy is pretty much second to none. Like being with one organization, you know, going through the highs and the lows, and you know, eventually winning the championship in 2011. Glad I was part of be part of that team. Like it was just a whole special experience. I mean, obviously, I mean, you took one championship. Some people may talk about that, but the run you guys made to get that title. You beat us. We were coming off back-to-backs, swept yeah. us, beat the brakes off us, San Antonio and OKC. Yeah. And then the big three in Miami. Big three in Miami. That's a hell of a run. That that run was crazy because we had the, the best record in the league, and I was a third-lean scorer on that ball club. I ruptured my patella uh, January 1st in Milwaukee, and we had a changeover of four players. Pages Stojakovic signed on, um, Corey Brewer. Uh, I think we brought Brian Cardinal and then a, uh, another guy as well, uh, fill, in, fill in the roster. But, you know, we had three guys to replace the need of, you know, 16, 17 points a night in that system. And that was a lot of changeover. And it took us like 23, 24 games to really, like, develop a new style and a way to play and – basically around Dirk, like his excellence, his leadership, J-Kid, like point guard, like out there just, mm-hmm. you know, manufacturing points and keeping guys motivated and not letting the steam drop off, we was able to win that championship. Mm. Crazy with you on the sideline too. That's crazy to think about that. Yeah. Um, you make a pit stop in L.A. for two years, uh, historically bad franchise, uh, but we made a nice little run. I mean, ain't no fucking secret. <laughs> uh Lob City, what was your experience like with Lob City? It was dope. It was uh, it was fun because I think having young guys and I, I I really signed to that organization. Obviously, I was thinking life after basketball when I signed there. I was a free agent. I didn't know Lob City was going to mm-hmm. come into that. Right? Yeah, I knew Chris Paul was going to the Lakers. Uh-huh. Like that's what we was hearing. We have everybody uh, thought that. Yeah, you know, I was like, all right, Chris Paul going to the Lakers. Uh, we had the same. Uh, assistant, uh, Miss Wilson at the time. So it was like, okay, that's what's happening on that end. And the, uh, the Clippers was just trying to, like, have some veteran leadership around some of the young guys. So that was BD, right, Blake? No, it wasn't BD. BD was, it was already uh, gone? Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Oh, Young Bled. Yeah, Young Bled. Uh, Eric Gordon. Gordon. Oh, Eric Gordon. Yeah, Ryan Gomes. Uh-huh. Uh, all those guys. So, uh-huh. like, I signed on, intending on just being a good vet. And, and think of life after popping. basketball. Mm-hmm. And you just get business popping in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, oh, shit, Chris Paul coming. You know what I mean? Jamal Crawford coming. Like, then, you know, the possibility mm-hmm. of all these other free agents wanting to play with, you know, this team is coming. So it's like, oh, like, now we become a title team. Mm-hmm. You know, like overnight. So you go there thinking just, you know, compete at a high level, teach them how to win, to now you guys are title contention, your mm-hmm. top three, top four teams in the league. And then following that that next year, 
now you come and we had Jamal Crawford, Reggie Lamar. Evans, the Jokers, Lamar Odom, Grant Hill, like Chauncey Billups. It's like, oh shit, we own to something. Like, what do you think held us up though? Because I feel like that second year, your second year, uh, my first year, Jamal's first year, Lamar's first year. Like, what was? What do you think held our team back? I've talked to leadership. Uh, yeah, not not from uh, us, the locker room. I think above, even even above. Like, I think from a coaching standpoint, now that I'm in this seat and I'm, I'm coaching, and you know, you, you're talking about everyone wise and you know, being, you know, leaders of men, you got to make sure that everyone's connected. Now, Chris did all the leadership things as far as from a teammate standpoint, like having dinners where we, you know, bond and connect mm -hmm. with one another. But, you know, the X and O's and the mission and saying what it was going to be and was something that we all can rally around, that wasn't there. Like, people wasn't saying, hey, this, we're, we're trying to win a championship. This is what it is. Like, this is the role you got to play for us to, mm -hmm. you know, get this accomplished. This is the role you got to buy into for us to get this shit accomplished. That wasn't ever discussed. We, we felt it. We tried to play the right way. Like, me and you was tag team in our minutes, but it wasn't like, this is right. what the fuck you got to do for us to get this. Mm. And that was the drop off. I like, I like hearing that. 2016, 14 seasons. Decided to hang it up. You just knew it, it was time? Man, I'm gonna tell you, I checked in in Sacramento and in my head I thought I took off, <laughs> but I didn't take off. It was, I was going up for a dunk, but I went for a cold ass layup. <laughs> <laughs> I never left the ground like I intended to leave the ground and I was just like, damn, in my head I thought I was like kind of up there. So, you know, the shit kind of <laughs> spent in there and went in and I ran the other way and I was like, ooh, like shit. And I watched the film that night. I was like, "That nah, I, I can't be out there like mm. that. Like that ain't it." So I was just like, "Man, you know what? I, you know, I got my bread. I got some. I got a lot of shit going on off the court. It's time to pivot and just like do some other stuff." Think back to when you was fifteen. You know what I mean? To when you was locked up. To you was going through all the bullshit. Didn't know the direction you was going to now. To right this moment. Uh. To where you at now, bro? All the stuff you done accomplished and everything you done been through. How you feel? Uh, man, I'm I'm beyond blessed and I'm 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 grateful and I'm humble for like everything that I experienced. Like even when I was walking up here, like real shit, um I, I got I got my six button suit on. I I'm I'm coming up here and I'm I'm chilling with I'm chilling with my dogs, like mm -hmm. and I you know, I applaud y'all for all the shit that y'all doing appreciate and appreciate just that. speaking truth to power on every aspect from sports to politics to the real shit that's happening out here in these streets. But I'm just like, damn, like we have a platform and, you know, we're able to just, like, speak freely on, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. But it's all because, like, the sacrifices that we made. And this is, like, like this is the dream for me. Like, this is the vision that, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I, I love to see. And I think, like, it's going to be so impactful. Like, 20 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, just imagine, like, what our young king's going to be doing, our young queen's going to be doing with their mm -hmm. platforms because, of what y'all doing, what they seen, what we went through, and what how we was able to overcome adversity and all that, like, the future is scary. Mm -hmm. Motherfuckers need in to watch out. In a good way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, you're real good friends with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if it was, it was rumor or truth. Are, are you guys working on a project 100%. to kind of tell your story? Yeah. Talk to us about that. Working on a biotech. First of all, tip. shout out to Mark Walker. Yeah. <laughs> he let me use his RV out the blue. <laughs> I made a post on Instagram like a month ago. I'm taking my family on a vacation and we need an RV. Then anyone got a plug on rentals, this motherfucker DMs me like, yo, you can take mine, the one I use on set. I'm like, I didn't, I know him, but I don't really know him yeah. like that. And I'm just he, like, he's like he cool as a motherfucker. Yeah, he's 100%. <laughs> That's dope. Appreciate you, Mark. Go he's ahead. 100% like that. And, yeah. um, you know, I had, I ended up doing Tough Juice, my journey from the streets to the NBA, and I came to him and for the, the option to, you know, do a biopic, uh, I signed on with him and his company. And, you know, we were going to shoot two years ago. I felt like the script wasn't right. Mm. And when we go back to, like, having the power or having, you know, have enough equity in the game where, you know, I've done enough in my life where I don't have to go for a quick bag or something like that, it was mm -hmm. like, I want the story to be told, right? And I'll tell you why, like, when you think about the sacrifices that my mother made, my grandmother made, and, you know, because of the theatrics of, you know, Hollywood, mm -hmm. you know, their characters wasn't going to be depicted the right way, you know, from the script. Right. You know, usually you have, like, the highs, the lows, and then you have, like, the white knight that comes and saved the day in Hollywood in these mm -hmm. stories, and you got 75 minutes to tell it, or 80 minutes, roughly. And I just wanted to make sure that the script was right. Uh, me and Jordan Fossman working on the script. We got a script that we love, that we fell in love with, that my, my mother loved, my mm. grandmother liked. And now it's like, all right, let's move the needle. Let's get Dope. this shit done. So we got progress. We got love motion. Love to hear it. And not, a lot of people don't know, too, because you're stick to the business head down. You're a beast in the entrepreneurial space. Do you mind sharing any of the things you're into? Because I know you're all over the place with it. Yeah, so we got, you know, six graduate hotels. Uh, I was just speaking to one of the partners on set about the one that we uh, we bought the old Nathan Hale on the, at the University of Connecticut. Uh, we got a Starbucks. We got a lot of real estate out of Wisconsin. Just bought up the whole block, renamed it Karan Butler Drive, got oh. community centers. False. Uh, got programming, like, we're in a lot of different spaces, mm -hmm. man, like, this yeah. grinding. No, I mean, I love, I, we sat down a few times, and you were telling me, shit, I'm just like, God, that, oh, that too? Oh, that, like, <laughs> this dude is a beast, so. Appreciate you. shout you out on that for sure. Father of five, what does that mean to you? Man, everything, because, you know, growing up without a father, obviously that was, it left a, a huge stain on a lot of things, but it also taught me about having that void and what I wanted to be if I became a father. So um, it means everything. Uh, my four little girls, uh, my son, who's at University of Irvine, is going to his senior year, he's playing basketball. My daughter about to go to University of Howard. Uh, I got an 11-year-old equestrian, fucking ride horses, hey, do that's all the an things. expensive sport. It's very expensive. And dangerous. Yeah, it's very dangerous. She fell off a few times, hopped right back up. Mm, good uh, for her. And my youngest child, Gia, she's a... a part of the diabetic community, uh, JDRF. So she's an ambassador. She does amazing work. She speaks proudly about her condition. She run, that's who run the house. Yeah, she runs the house. She yes. got a ton of personality. So yeah. it's just, it's dope to be a father and, you know, still be able to, you know, do something that I love, you know, uh, that I'm passionate about and coach. Talk about the book, Shot Clock. Oh, man. So Shot Clock, we had a, we had an experience a while back, uh, real close to the time where the George Floyd situation happened. And I watch you march, I watch all of us march and rally around that, that cause, but shot clock came, the thought and the idea came from 
we had went to march to the, the capitol building uh mm-hmm. in racine wisconsin the city court circuit building and they gave people like time on the clock to um really talk about their discomforts and displeasures in the community and i was just like damn like you're looking at how much time you can really talk about all the shit that's wrong in the world ain't enough yeah it ain't enough and i was just like man that's something that we all up against time so i took these kids stories that i coached that i seen in the neighborhood that i was able to mentor that i was able to you know try to help some that fell by the wayside some that died and we came up with the title shot clock because we're all up against time. And we're just telling these stories, these real stories, and hope that they come part of the core curriculum of, you know, school today. You know, it got picked up by Scholastic Sports, so it's going to be everywhere. Uh, that's extremely important, but some of the old stories that you read now from outsiders to Killer Mockingbird, things like that, Great Gatsby, dope stories, amazing books, but I think they're dated, they don't you know? And they don't reflect us. Yeah, they're way outdated, and they don't really talk and speak to us. So I wanted to make content, and that's something that me and Kobe had in common where we used to talk about, like, ideas and just, you know, make making content that can really impact young people. Mm-hmm. So that's why Shot Clock is a reality. It comes out, uh, you know, 9-6-22, and uh, look forward to sharing those stories with the world. Beautiful. Quick hitters, you plus four going to the blacktop. Who you bringing? Shit. Not, uh, not to the gym. To, to the, the blacktop. To the blacktop. Mm-hmm. All right, so I could tell you, uh, you know, God rest my soul, my brother, uh, Kobe Bryant, I'll take him to any blacktop. Yeah, Green you know, top, purple top, yeah, any he, top. He get busy anywhere, take MJ. I'm going to need some enforcers, so I'm going to bring both of y'all, then shit, I'm going to go and get busy with it. I'm going to coach the team since I'm in that seat now, and I'm going to have Jay Crossover get busy out there. It's going to be fun. Can't lose. Uh, Can't album lose. you can listen to with no skips. Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. The one and only. Yep, tap mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. always. Tap all the way in. First thing you do in the morning, last thing you do when you go to sleep. First thing I do in the morning is, you know, I always look at uh, my capital fund. I look at my statements. I look at what's going in, what's going out. Uh, Last thing I do before I go to sleep, I pray. Every night, no matter where I'm at, what city, what state, I pray. FaceTime one of my kids, talk to them. Like, that's that's my joy. Like, I go to sleep happy. Mm -hmm. That's important. I Mm -hmm. dream good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Mm, That's deep. Uh, Funniest thing that's happened to you recently? So I've been slimming down a little bit, and I try to go in the in the gym and dunk by myself, and it didn't go like I wanted it to go. Was so it like that, that layup in Sacramento? Yeah, it was worse. It was worse. <laughs> I, I lost the rim. I'll just put it like that. I landed awkwardly, and <laughs> I just I, I just got back realigned. So I'm I'm trying to move real <laughs> gently Boy, out here, gingerly right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you could see one guest on All the Smoke, who would it be? But you have to help us get your answer on the show. Mm. You know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know what? I I would love to, like you mentioned Mark Wahlberg. I would love to see Mark Wahlberg uh, yes. on the show. I would also love to see uh, you know Jay Z on on y'all show. Just speaking truth to power. Just mm-hmm. that that'd be dope. Like I love the Snoop Dogg episode that you guys mm-hmm. had. And, you said two of the uh, Dame Dash. Like yeah. everything. Yeah. So have Hove on here. That'd be powerful. Hell yeah. yeah. You heard, you heard the end of that question, all right? Yeah, I can help out with that. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. We good. Rock Nation. We good. Yeah. <laughs> we good. Well, Karan, man, we appreciate you. Uh, your journey has been, you know, admired. You know, the grind, the perseverance you had. 
uh, to make it through it. And like you said, the way you're sitting here right now and just continuing to pass it forward to others, man, we definitely appreciate that. So we wanted to give you your flowers and also give you this uh, All the Smoke Time of Legends. My dog, I like that. I mean, it's not this. You know, know, I have it on tonight. I have it on tonight. In the off time. Appreciate you. Man, we appreciate you coming through. Appreciate you pulling up, bro. Uh, Man. That's a wrap with Karan Butler, All the Smoke. You can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects. We'll see y'all next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.